Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Is this ice cream? Are, Dog ice are cream? Are these supposed to be for dogs? Yeah. Because dogs yeah. should not have any milk products at all. It's actually destructive for dogs. They shouldn't have it. That's so, right, milk and chocolate. Yep. Yeah, why well, you you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing it. I hate Ben and Jerry's ice I thought they're more into fish food. <laughs> hate them. Because Ben and Jerry's they they, well, they don't dinner, right? Well, you know, yeah, you they don't make single food. flavors. I just yeah. you know, make a good chocolate or a good vanilla or a good coffee or a good strawberry and don't jazz it up with yeah, with codfish. You know, all of the stuff that they put in. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser show is on now. Another sponsor down the drain. The amount of Ben and Jerry's Liz and Kate go through in our house, and they pass it back and forth, and you look at it, it looks like a crater from the moon as they pick out pieces of I really don't like that nougat. stuff. They, they they jam in all sorts. Of, it's, it's, it's not for me. Everybody knows that now. You would like the coffee toffee crunch, I think. I don't think so, but maybe. Maybe. You slip it to me one night when I'm drunk, and we'll see if I like it. Uh, so I wanted to begin the show, and I'm, I'm going to apologize beforehand with how I'm beginning this show. Because I'm quite certain, since I have reached that point in life where I can absorb nothing new on my brain, and I just, in essence, repeat everything that's been in there time and time and time again. It's like telling the story of Lou Carnesecca with the sweater and John Thompson <laughs> getting the same sweater, and people say, are you going to tell that story again? And I can't help it, because it's all I remember. So I apologize beforehand for what I am about to say. But to be fair, you have a grace period about one week when you remember everything that Kelleher tells you yes. at your 1130 Three days, call. three days. Not a, not a full three. week, but three days. But this is something that I am certain, quite certain, that at this time of year bothers me annually. I am quite certain I talk about it at this time of year, and I'm quite certain that people then email me and explain to me why I am, why my observations are incorrect and why, in fact, this celestial thing is happening. I'm certain this happens, but here I am doing it again, because this morning, here, here's, here's what it is. On December 21st, the winter solstice, that is the shortest amount of daylight in the year. Correct. From that time on until June 21st, the summer solstice, there is more light in the sky. Regardless of where you live on Earth, there is a little bit more light. Not a lot more light, but a little bit more light that builds to the apex in June 21st. And this is what is troubling to me. I notice more light at the end of the day. I notice, for example, when we are taping PTI in the attic and there are windows in the attic, I notice that on December 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, in that period of time, it's pitch dark at 5.15. We are taping. It's totally dark. If you looked into the attic, you would see the lights that we're using in order to light the attic. Keyword, N attic. Attic, right. On your lookout tower. Right, right. So now yesterday, both Tracy and I noticed for this, this week so far, We've noticed the light in the sky is lasting. Light in the sky is lasting until after 5.30. But more significant light at about 5.10 or 5.15, you go, whoa, well, there's like real light. You could tee off, you know, on number six, and you could finish the hole before it was really dark. On the other hand, and this is the troubling part, and this to me is probably what I've said for 20 years, in the morning, I don't notice the expanded light. Or if I do notice well, I, the I disagree. Okay, so let me just finish. Okay. If I do notice the expanded light in the morning, it, it's it's by a minute, a minute and a half, not by ten or fifteen minutes that I notice in the afternoon. Logic tells me 
that the expansion should be equal on both ends, morning and night. But if you are, if you understand astronomy, if you understand the planets, if you understand the way this works, or if you just have more brains than I do, you could explain to me why I'm wrong. But you think I'm wrong on the surface. No, I, I so I agree that it's slower happening in the morning. Yes, and that, that why? Witching, the witching hours between about six forty-five and and six fifty-five. But it's the brightness, it's the acceleration as to how quickly that sun is then rising. Well, that's only if you have a clear sky. Okay, so then you right. also have some other factors as to where your house is facing and the relative wooded areas that are, are okay. precluding you from seeing but some of that. do you but agree I do, with... The... I do think you're picking up more light in the morning. It's just happening at a faster rate... In the, in the evening. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying, but that doesn't logically make any sense to me. Nigel, I know I do this every single year, so don't people tell me why I'm wrong and why this is happening? Yes, I believe we have covered this topic before, and I imagine... <laughs> We've covered it 20 times, and I just don't remember the answers. No, I just don't. Nor do I. What I do recall is, and I always think of this when it starts getting dark so early, as you said years ago, you said, when this happens, I feel like I'm a, I'm a deer, or you know, and I just want to go find some hay to go sleep in early. You know, I, I always think of that because, because it is. You feel like going to bed at like, like 7 o'clock all the time in the winter. And, and I also know that when you go to daylight savings time, which, by the way, we go everything. to in America too early in the calendar, way too early. If you want to go April 1st, fine. They go like March 1st or something. Then it kills the morning utterly. Then yes. the morning reverts to being totally dark till 7.15 or 7.30. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't even understand the need for it's it. It's like in the 40s, but still full bright sky. Does anybody really understand the need for daylight savings time? Well, different economy. Not for your work. Not an agrarian economy right. that, that it used to be, because you're upsetting the cows. Although, <laughs> how could you be upsetting the cows? They just respond to light. When was the last time a cow pulled you aside and said, what are you doing with the clock? They don't do that. <laughs> They just respond to life. Okay, so that's that one topic, and I know we'll get we'll get email on that because that's important. I could tell you also about the Michelob Ultra ad that I just cut, but you know we'll save that too. When you hear the Michelob Ultra read for the first time, just imagine <laughs> imagine what the, the the version that we left on the floor sounded yeah. like. So the other day, a box comes to my house. A box of that. A bo a big box comes to my house, and it is from um, Borgatti's. Borgatti's ravioli and egg noodles. I open the box, and inside is a um, sort of a thermal shielded deal with two large ice trays in it, you know, ice packs in it, so that what is inside will not be uh, not fro it will not unfreeze, and it's still frozen. It'll stay safe. And it's it's ravioli. It's 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 a lot of ravioli, and I get this note, dear Doctor Hoffwaff. As a fellow Bearcat, so that means he went to Binghamton, not Cincinnati, Binghamton, and lover of ravioli, well, said I found your January 6th, 2021 ravioli story so sad. These are my favorite ravioli, a tradition passed down from my grandmother. Tell Michael to get you some Cucina Antica marinara sauce from your local Whole Foods. Michael, are you paying attention? I am. I'm on the website for the, the person to whom I'm related by marriage, a sea wolf. Now, I believe that those are Stony Brook people. I believe there are Stony Brook people. I have a problem with that. The person to whom I'm related by marriage is Seawolf, and I hope you and yours enjoy. No need to send a card. A PTI shout-out will suffice. Our best, E&G, Jersey City, New Jersey. Well, I took the ravioli out, and I put it right in the freezer, and I'm hoping that one day Michael and Liz and the boys will come over, and we will be able to have this ravioli cooked to 
the specifications of E and G in Jersey City, New Jersey. Now, to to sort of ask but for no a egg, shout out, no egg noodles in the package. I I think it's just ravioli, although I didn't open it up. It's covered in tinfoil. To ask for a shout out on PTI, I mean, you know, like it's to be fair, Ian. This is the podcast. This is the prompting of all of this is the podcast, not PTI. Because I didn't go on PTI and say, oh, Wilbon, let me tell you a story. My wife threw sugar in the ravioli and killed it. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that on PTI. I might have done that. So we'll, see what, else, we'll see what else you can send to get the PTI well, show. No, I mean, I just, I don't know about that. I just, I found that. Would you I be willing to part with one of these signed PTI hats? Sure. PTI hat, which Mike and I have signed. I also got, and this came to the house as well, and this came from Joseph... Menges, M-E-N-G-E-S, or Mengis, I'm not sure. Dear Tony, I watch PTI about every day, uh, and I saw Mike not appreciating your National Day knowledge on a recent show last month. I sent this uh, to my clients. This is a calendar to clients for the last few years and thought you could use one. All the best in 2021. It is a National Day calendar, so that inside on every day that has a National Day, which is every day, every single day. What do we have today? Well, uh, let me go back to January. Yeah, you got to go to January. January 2021. And this should be the 15th, gotta right? Got to go to the 15th. This is National Strawberry Ice Cream Day. Oh. I think strawberry ice cream is okay. Walker I don't love it. strawberry ice cream. Yesterday was National Organize Your Home Day. Tomorrow is National Appreciate a Dragon Day. And fabulously on <laughs> Ooh, Sunday the tales. 17th. I wish, it's, I wish with all my heart. It's National Ditch New Year's Resolution Day. So, and every single one <laughs> of these, three weeks. every single one of these has at least one. Like on January 26th is National Green Juice Day. On January 29th is National Corn Chip Day. So, well, have every we missed one of anything good? I don't know. We're a few weeks into the new year. Well, I mean, it depends oh, on what you, it depends on what you think is good as opposed to what I think is good. On Bootsy's birthday is National Fairy Day. Isn't that nice? That's and lovely. on the Hammer's birthday is National oh, French Friday. National French Friday. And on your birthday is National Pecan Day. I don't like pecans. The Hammer pounded some French fries last night. Really? And no on ketchup. Liz's birthday is, is National Talk Like Shakespeare Day. That's a great day. National well, Talk Like Shakespeare Day. So... So uh, I got those from Joe and thank you, Joe. Could could I get a check on April 4th? Yes. April 4th. Well, let me get back to April. Nigel and Michael talk a little bit. Here's April. April 4th is National Carrot Day. I like carrots. (laughs) It's National Carrot Day. Sean, when is your birthday? October 13th. Jerry Rice's birthday as well. Well, this doesn't go for Jerry Rice. This is just for you. I don't care about Jerry Rice. <laughs> October 13th. Oh, you're going to love this. Is National Yorkshire Pudding Day. Oh. You're a cook, so National Yorkshire Pudding. Oh. So I thank I thank everybody for all of these things. They're, it's sort of weird to get these things. The ravioli, I really look forward to. D- don't you, Michael? I yeah, mean, I'd actually like to take them home. Now, did you, did you actually wait, open you, the... You, you're going to take them home? <laughs> well, we're still trying to, you know... Be responsible as in how we visit you and Carol. So you're going to take them home. Still at the back of the line, and you have. Yeah. Well, I'm. Well, wait. I crossed the the line. I'm. I'm 65 plus. You know, I'm eligible, and I got it. Uh, Do Do you want to take them home to eat them? Was that implicit in taking them home to eat them? I was going to put them on display, not share them with with me. I mean, do you think E and G is that is is that what E and G? I have a I have a great finishing sugar. You won't even know it's there. I don't want sugar on my ravioli. 
Like I don't want sugar, sugar by the Archies. What a terrible, (laughs) it's not terrible. It's just, it's sort of catchy. It's not very good. So we will take a break uh, and then we will come back with Jason Locke and four of CBS Sports to talk about pro football, which is in its, in its heyday right now. Absolute heyday. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. You're unique and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and answer your questions. And on top of all of that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and you want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. I know I do. So that's why I talked to Steve Rose. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Ryan Orthier. And he says, hello there. Attached, you find a copy of a newly released single, Whatever It Takes, by my friend and bandmate, Matt Bradshaw. Matt is a D.C. native, though relocated to Austin, Texas years ago to chase a career in music. He and I make music and perform together, but he spent his time in isolation last few months focusing on a new solo project. It's funky, soulful, and I couldn't be more proud of him. In weather-related news, it snowed here in Austin yesterday. You should have seen the smug looks on all the Subaru drivers' faces. <laughs> Finally, a reason to use their needless all-wheel drive in Central Texas. This is whatever it takes. Matt Bradshaw plays in Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports. We are in we are in the golden weeks of yeah. pro football. Last week yeah. to not only have all the wild cards and to follow it with the college championship. Saturday, Sunday, Monday was spectacular last week. Saturday, yeah. Sunday, this week appears to be spectacular. I will start with the obvious, which is the, the stunner out of Pittsburgh, where Cleveland went out 28 nothing and pretty much cruised because they kept scoring even when Pittsburgh scored, yeah. leading to all sorts of questions about the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger and the Browns. Just, just pick up with it. Like, What did you make of all that? Well, I... I- I think that, you know, Mike Tomlin's tone this week and, and his comments and, and then also his deeds, his actions in terms of the three um, coaching changes they've already made, including the offensive coordinator, who was exceedingly close to Ben Roethlisberger, who many in that building have told me, not just this year when things were falling apart, but even when it was going well, wow, Ben's got a lot of autonomy. Like, Wow. Ben can pretty much do as he pleases, and he's not really going to be held in check by this OC. Um, but he's somebody who Tomlin was very close to as well and had been on that staff a long time. But they need some new ideas. And then the offensive line was a mess. And I would argue and have argued in the past, again, not just this year when all the chickens came home to roost with age and injury, et cetera, and salary cap, but the most significant departure from that building in the last couple of years is not Antonio Brown, is not Le'Veon Bell. It's Mike Munchak, their offensive line coach. That offensive line was a mess before he got there. He gets there. It's a top-five offensive line pretty much the whole time he's there. They're developing Villanueva on the fly. Guy goes down. The next man up is generally just as good or close to it. Um, and the scheme, they ran the ball like a demon. 
Mike Munchak hasn't been there in a couple of years, and that thing has fallen apart pretty quickly. And, and I don't know that he alone could have staved all this off, mm-hmm. but I think he probably could have staved some of it off. And I think they probably would have been a little better to equip to adapt and survive on the ground. Um, so, yeah, they've got, they've got some pieces to put back together. The, the Ben situation is um, real. It's significant. It has major cash and cap ramifications. Uh, and, and, I mean, right now you could argue they need a left tackle because he's a free agent. They need a, a left guard. They need a center. They need a right tackle. The running back's a free agent. I don't see him back. The best receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, is a wide receiver. He won't be back. Um, is a free agent. He won't be back. Uh, Bud Dupree, their second-best pass rusher, is a free agent. He's coming off he's significant surgery and probably isn't ready for you know until the middle of the season anyway. So I don't know how that shakes out, but no matter what, it's not going to be great. Uh, Watt and Fitzpatrick are now established enough that they can be paid. They've, they've paid their dues. They're three years on the rookie deal. They got to pay them, and their cap situation wasn't great when the cap looked like it was going to be at one ninety something. If it truly is one seventy five or one eighty, they've got even more hell to pay. Uh, I think they're going to take their lumps. I think Mike Tomlin is looking at his first non winning season, or at least you know below five hundred season, and, and, and that's okay because it happens to everybody, and it happens to these guys far uh, less frequently than it happens to most franchises. Mm-hmm. But they need to hit a reset button. And remember, they traded, you know, they traded picks to get Fitzpatrick. They, they traded picks to move up and get Devin Bush, which they don't usually do. They were trying to make one more run at it with Ben. If anybody in that building still thinks there's another run in them with Ben, they're kidding themselves. Do you believe that Ben Roethlisberger in game one next year will be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I, I, I don't know, Tone. Um, hmm. I, I don't I I don't know. I mean, there's a forty-one million dollar cap charge. Yes. If they cut him now, he might help you negotiate around that to stay and add some fake years onto it. But I don't know that he's going to redo his deal. You know, for you to just cut him, I I, I don't know that that is feasible. Um, could he take less to stay? I guess it's possible. I could see him there. I, I don't think there's a scenario where he's given the job. You know, I, I, at, no matter what the sort of how that thing is constituted from a cap and cash and, and, and con, contractual standpoint, I don't think it's just him and Mason Rudolph and it's like, oh, if Ben breaks down, we go to Mason Rudolph. They're going to have to start giving reps to somebody else. They're going to have to probably bring somebody else in that mix to compete and somebody who might have some real potential upside, more than what Mason uh, Rudolph has showed to this point. Okay. Let me go to the other side of that, which is Cleveland. Cleveland waits 18 years to get into the playoffs. They have COVID issues. They look like they have no chance whatsoever to go to Pittsburgh and, and beat the Steelers, and they trounce the Steelers. To me, that is the achievement. That is satisfaction. I don't think they have any chance against Kansas City. Am I wrong? Um, I think they can make it a game. I think you could create a game script that is very similar to what the Colts did up in Buffalo. And at the end of the day, is it enough to prevail over that quarterback and that offense on the other sideline that can score so quickly and that has achieved so much? Um, no, probably not. But is it a game in the fourth quarter? I, I think so. If, 
if they don't turn the ball over, if they can hold the ball 34 minutes or longer, which the, the Colts mm-hmm. did against the Bills, um, mm-hmm. if they're averaging, uh, you know, six yards a carry like the Colts did against the Bills, um, then I think we've got a chance to have a ball game here. Um, do I think they're going to be able to persevere in the end? I don't. I just don't trust their secondary enough. And I think if Pat Mahomes needs seven points in the fourth quarter, he's going to get those seven points in the fourth quarter. But if you give Baker a lead, if you get both running backs involved, um, if that offensive line heals up a little bit in the next couple of days, I don't know that their backups are going to be able to win the way they did against uh, Pittsburgh. Um, and, and, you know, Kansas City comes out sleepwalking a little bit and you get up. Um, and just keep pounding the rock on the ground. I, I think they can, you can create a script where that's a compelling game in the final five minutes. Um, but I, I do think ultimately Andy Reid off a of bye, pretty, pretty, pretty good. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is special. Okay, let me, let me go to the big news of the week, which is coaching changes. Uh, Salah, I guess, got the Jets job. Yep. Um, there's, uh, well, the big one is Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson was the big one. We'll talk about that, but we'll go with Urban Meyer. You've been reporting this for a while. Urban Meyer made the deal with Jacksonville. Urban Meyer's track record in college is that he wins quick. If you look at the turnaround at Utah, at Florida, and at Ohio State, it is breathtaking. It is. It's absolutely breathtaking. But I don't, uh, you know, Jacksonville, you can't go recruit. This isn't college. Right. This is you got what you got, and they don't necessarily graduate. They don't leave right. you in the way that right. everybody leaves you. So what is the prognosis in your mind for a guy who wins quick on a turnaround? What can Urban Meyer do? Well, I, I mean, I have reservations. You know, I, I, I don't know how he's going. He's going to have to relate to players in a way he's never even considered before. And right. I don't know if he's willing or able to do that or not. You know, Chip Kelly wasn't. Saban really wasn't, and I think Saban's even more of a coaching genius than him. And I think had Saban stuck around another year, I think things probably would have would have clicked. But the regardless was it, you know, the bottom line, it was two and done. Um, I, I, you know, this thing with Cliff Kingsbury, and he's not half the coach Urban Meyer is, but like he's fired his offensive coordinator already, and they had the first overall pick. So, look, Trevor Lawrence is, is going to be special, and this guy won't mess it up, and he hasn't messed quarterbacks up. He's won in different ways with different types of athlete, athletes at that position. Um, but you don't hold a 19-year-old's fate in your hand. And that team will mostly be guys on rookie contracts to start, but soon enough they're going to be making more money than you. And the demagogue stuff, the, oh, I want this wall painted this color today and that color tomorrow, and you drink this smoothie and you do what I tell you, and uh, it's just, it it ain't going to fly. It's not going to work with grown-ass men. I'm sorry. It's been pretty proven, tried and true. What you did in Bowling Green and what you did in Utah, they don't, it doesn't, nobody cares. What have you done on Sundays? Does it work on Sundays? And I just think it's an interesting pick. Because I'm old enough to remember uh, one, two, carry the one, three months ago when Yannick Ngakwe leaves $6 million in legal tender on the table just to get the hell out of Jacksonville. I'm old mm-hmm. enough to remember a year ago or whatever, 15 months ago, when Jalen Ramsey basically pulls the shoot, has a mutiny, withholds his services. The owner's on TV saying, oh, he's going to play this weekend. He's like, oh, no, I'm not. I, I, 
he eventually got out of there. I'm, re- I'm old enough to remember dudes fighting each other to get out of there. I've had agents tell me, I've had guys who don't even want to go to their exit interviews, don't want to get their last paycheck. They play their last game for those guys. They want to get in their car with their uniform on and never go back. Like, they don't even want to clean out their lockers. <laughs> like, I had an agent last year tell me they had a dude who could have played for another year. He had one more year for his contract there. He was healthy enough. He just said, nah, I don't want to. Not COVID or anything else like that. I'm just sick of that place. So they blamed it all on Tom Coughlin, or to a large degree on Tom Coughlin. This guy's got a lot of Tom Coughlin in his game. He's the same guy. He's the same <laughs> guy as Tom Coughlin. Like, now we're going to make this a destination, and we want to have a different culture, and we want to embrace our players, and we want people to want to be here. Okay. No, they have no fan base. It's an outpost. It's they got waffle houses. I agree with you on this. I think I think I there's mean, a large question. I'm not saying it question. can't work. And he's he is a he is a genius on a lot of levels, but he's going to have to figure out a different he doesn't way to stay sell long. his ideas. No, and when he leaves, he stay long. there's always something lurking behind, whether it's the NCAA right. or some sort of scandal. That's right. So if we're going to talk right. about how great he is, we got to talk about uh, what he's left in his wake as well. So I don't know. No, you're I right. Mean, Look, the offense should be pretty damn good. They've got a ton of picks. They're going to get a potentially generational quarterback. They've got a couple offensive linemen. They've got a running back. They've got two receivers. They'll draft a tight end. They're pretty plug-and-play on that side of the ball. But um, I don't know, man. You know, it hasn't worked under that owner yet. Um, Nothing consistently. And you do have to wonder. This is a dude who would melt down when he went 11-1 and and obsess over the one loss. Like, he couldn't handle it. You're, you're, you're going to lose two or three in a row up here, and you, you can't recruit your way out of it. Yeah, good, good. We agree on that one. What we disagreed on, um, and I think my side won on this one, was Doug Peterson. Uh, I thought yeah. that was a much bigger deal than you thought it was, and, and most television guys and most former athletes, most former football players that I saw on television, took your position. Like, you know, come on, stop it. He's the coach. They're getting a better draft pick. Shut up already. And people like me, and we were in the minority, said he changed the integrity of the game. This is garbage. What are you doing? And they fired him. Jeffrey Lurie fired Doug Peterson. What do you make of that? I don't think it had much to do with that game. I think it has more to do with his staff and his sort of vision for that offense and who the quarterback is moving forward. And he was not a guy who was inclined, inclined to think that I've got to blow this whole thing up and completely reconsider how I do things. And there was growing tension between the personnel side and the coaching side. And it's kind of that tried and true thing. Wait a minute, you're pulling me in a room and telling me who i got to fire. Who are you firing over there? Which scouts are you firing? What, what personnel people are you firing? Like, they, they, I didn't pick this whole roster. Like, no, nah, I don't want another offensive coordinator. I don't want another quarterback coach. I think my stuff will work, and we'll try it with Hertz, and we'll see where it goes. Bringing him and Wentz back um, was a bridge too far, and I think the owner, at the end of the day, felt like he wanted more flexibility from Peterson, and he wanted to have more input on the constitution of that staff moving forward and, and what he liked and what he didn't like, and they were sort of at loggerheads about that. And then mm-hmm. you, you couple that with the quarterback situation. Um, and, you know, that's, Philly's a tough place. It's amazing Andy Reid lasted as long as he did. I, I think a lot of things came to a head in, in Florida early this week. Um, did it have to go that way? No. Um, but I think this owner also was looking for maybe something not that Doug Peterson is not old by any stretch of the imagination, 
But I think he also kind of wanted something new and something different and wasn't completely sold in Doug Peterson's vision for that offense moving forward. I was stunned by it. I was stunned by the firing, yeah, honestly. Yeah, the timing, the timing is, was, was certainly stunned. odd. And, and for what he's accomplished in a place where... Um, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl. In place where everybody said they'll never win a Super Bowl. They can't win a Super Bowl. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl three years ago. Bought him a couple and of years. And he's out? Tony, bought, him, yeah. bought him a couple of years. Wow. Okay, plug your radio show for us, Jason. Uh, you can listen to more of my ramblings from 2 to 6 every afternoon on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, or you could stream it live anywhere on the Radio.com app. Um, yeah, we'll be talking plenty of divisional round stuff today, that's for darn sure, and uh, maybe a little bit about the WFTGM situation as well. <laughs> and about Copper, and Copper the dog. Copper. That's our mascot. Although he, thank you, Jason. Chagrin, I got another radio thing to do now, so no one right. for you. Okay, thanks, guys. Talk to you. See ya. Jason Lockenfora, boys and girls, he's just simply the best guest in the world. It's 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 that simple. When we come back, allegedly we have Carville. Allegedly, we don't really know. And Jeff Ma, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Nigel has bought three of these suits. He looks great when he wears them. You don't really have occasion to wear suits during a pandemic most of the time, but they they still fit. They still fit. Tell people about how much you enjoy Indochino. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't really have a great cause to wear a great suit right now if you're just sitting in your house in your sweatpants, but eventually you're going to be leaving your house and you want to look great, and these Indochino suits really do make you look fantastic. They're, they're tailor-made to your specific measurements, so they're going to fit you like a glove. You can design the suit, you know, the lapels, monograms, however you want it, you can do it. Uh, it gets you very quickly, and it's very affordable. I recommend them very highly. There's such a great line here. There's never a bad time to look good. That's yeah. a really good that's a really good <laughs> line, especially when Indochino offers made-to-measure custom clothing at a more affordable price. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and monogram. The choice is yours. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, each piece will fit you and your style perfectly. This is important. You're giving them your measurements. They're making it for your measurements. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Burke book, not Burke, book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now you will get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code TONYK at checkout. That's $30 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com, promo code TONYK. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Andrew Bracewell in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm fed up with the overrepresentation of talented musicians on the podcast. If the show stinks, so should the music. So on behalf of the other guys, the bands that went the way of Ike and Tina, the bands whose own parents wouldn't spend $10 to see them play, I submit my crappy band from high school, Advanced Placement. Our music fell under the brooding, angsty umbrella of emo rock. Not sure if Michael ever went through that phase. How many emo kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They'd rather cry alone in the dark. If anyone wakes up with the odd desire to bleed from the ears, they can stream our one and only album you're adopted on any music streaming service. And no, we're not going to do Stonehenge. It's a pandemic. This is Confessions of a Fool. 
I love this note. Michael, if Andrew Bracewell or anybody else wants to submit bad music, as long as it's original, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And full disclosure, Liz made me a Michael's emo playlist on Spotify, and it, and it brings you back. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> James Carville has, has reemerged. He went 2-1 and one the last time we talked to him. He picked three bowl games and went 2-1. and one. That is his record now, 2-1. and one. I know you love the Saints. I don't know if you love them in this particular game. I don't know that uh, giving three to Tampa Bay, but you'll tell me what you like. What do you got? I love the Saints. Okay. Of course, you would expect me to because I'm a homer. First of all, right. three, that, in, Brady, Breeze, everything else, Kamara, Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Thomas, our defense, we got our Ed Rusher back. Uh, I'll give us a coaching advantage. But the thing that worries me is, is the kicker's been off lately. That, that's the only thing right. that causes me concern. But I, I, I love the Saints of three. And I think, look, people have made money betting on Tom Brady for the last 15 years. But Drew, the, the NFL does 100 best players that the players picked for 2019. The first was Aaron Donald. I'll, I'll give him that. The second was Drew. I mean, he's not exactly, you know, he, he's pretty good. And Sean Payton is just a really good coach. So I like the Saints. I, I, I like giving the three. I'm not okay. going with the Ravens and the Bills because uh, I would probably bet on the Ravens, but I'm pulling for the Bills so hard because I got so many friends in Buffalo and uh, want to go to the Super Bowl with Luke. Uh, the Browns and the Chiefs, I like the 10 points. And the Chiefs have not, they have not blown me away over the last four or five games. I mean, they're good, and they got, supposedly got Edwards Hilaire coming back. Yes. As, as you know, I'm very I'm highly fond of he helps their running game. LSU guy. Sure, you love him. I love him, but I, I, I like the Browns. This, this is not a sentimental pick here. Yeah, okay. uh, the, the Rams in Green Bay, you know, at six and a half, I usually hate, hate to take a favorite at six and a half because it's just, it's just a sucker bet and it's everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, they're at home. Weather's not going to be that big a deal. I mean, I checked. Yeah, the weather's not going to be that big a deal. Nick, assume that the Saints of Tampa Bay and Green Bay wins. It's not going to be that big a deal next Saturday, according to the long range forecast. But I, I, I got, I got to go with the Packers. There's too much quality to and they're at home, and it's six and a half. So those are those are my three picks. I'm going to lay off of the Ravens and Bills because I, I, I can't bet on a team that I'm not pulling for. I just can't. Right. So let, let yeah, me ask so you this. As, as a Go ahead. As a proud LSU guy, bad year this right. year, four losses, whatever it was. But what did you think right. when you watched Alabama, Ohio State? What did you think of Alabama? Whew. Good. I mean, really good. Yeah. I would love to see our 2019. Yes. Year 2020. And yes. I, 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 I don't say this. In any way, because you know, you know, I always like Coach Saban. He's always been nice. I mean, always been nice to me. If you get talk to him about football and nothing else, I mean, that's been my experience with him. He's not a small talk guy, uh, but but what he's done at that program, and, and it, it changes assistance every year. You know what I mean? He's got he got guys that are the pros. You name that, all the churn he's had, and the only thing that churns is they're just a superb football team every year. Now, having said that, we're going to be good in two years. Good. Trust me. Yeah, we'll be good next year. You know, Mac, uh, was it, uh, Mac Johnson, uh, Brad Johnson's kid, 
he was pretty good. He, he just he's a freshman and he played a lot for us this year, and and he's he's gonna be good. And we still got Miles Brennan, so we got a couple of really good quarterbacks going into this. And we got some some a lot of our players are returning. I'm kind of surprised, and and we get some world class freshmen coming. I like it when LSU is good. I want to see LSU and Alabama be good every single year. I like to watch them. Thank you, James. Let's root for your picks. Thanks, James. Uh James Carville, boys and girls. Is Jeff Ma with us as well? I believe uh, Sean is probably dialing as we speak. Okay. Carville was was good, and we could understand him. But he's right when he says that last year's LSU team was just about the best team I ever saw. I don't know if Alabama's team this year is that great, only because I don't know about the quality of competition that they played. This was an odd and an asterisk year to me. So I don't know. I know their quarterback thinks they're the best team that's ever played, but their quarterback is seven years old and doesn't really know, you know, (laughs) has no depth in terms of going back to other teams. But that LSU team, because Joe Burrow had – just such a spectacular year. And the LSU, there's probably eight or nine guys that went to the pros from that team. So anyway, yeah. tell me when Jeff is on the Jeff line. Jeff is on the line. Here he is. Good. All right, Jeff. Let uh, I was told you Jeff Ma last week was two and two. So he's 45, 41, and three overall. He's above 500 and doing better than a monkey, which is something Chuck Todd can't say. Uh, Nigel prepped me on this, uh, that you wanted to talk perhaps about the most likely Super Bowl matchup. Who would that be right now? Uh, Kansas City and Green Bay. So here's, okay, here's an interesting thing, and you're not old enough to know this, because you're not, you're a kid. But the original Super Bowl, because I've written this for today for PTI, for Happy Anniversary, Super Bowl one was Green Bay and Kansas City. It wasn't much of a game. Green Bay, that was, those were the Lombardi Packers that had 11 different Hall of Famers on the squad. 11, which is amazing. They won 35-10. Those two teams have not been back in the Super Bowl together uh, since then. And that would, be, that would be fun, wouldn't it? I mean, as a would viewer, be. wouldn't you like to see that? That's what you want, right? Yeah. Well, who is so it, Bart Starr was, was Green Bay's quarterback, right? Who was Kansas yes. City's quarterback? Len Dawson. Like Len, Daw- and, like Len Dawson? Yeah, I was going to say. And so Len Dawson, and now the coach of the team was Hank Stram, the jaunty little Hank Stram, and who always wore red vests. And for, Super Bowl four, they won. So they redeemed themselves after a bad showing. They actually won. They were the second AFL team to win after the Jets. But they have not been matched up in that game since. Although, to be fair, I don't know how many rematches there ever are in the Super Bowl. I guess Brady's had some. Because he's been to so many, you know. But I don't, I don't, I don't know that. All right, let's take your picks. Who you got? Uh, let's see. So we're going to go through this. Um, we're going to pick all the games. Um, okay. The Rams are plus seven against Green Bay. This line opened at plus seven, has gone down to six and a half, and now it's kind of bounced back to plus seven. Obviously, the challenge with betting the Rams is the uncertainty about their injuries, not just at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, on the defensive line and, and at the wide receiver position with Cooper Cup, um, it, it's it's hard to to be completely confident in this Rams pick, but I really like what they do defensively. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Green Bay, and I like them to actually keep this game relatively close. So you will take the Rams plus seven? 
Yes, I will. Going into cold weather, but not brutal weather. Not brutal weather. That's so. supposed to be above freezing or right around yeah. freezing. There's yeah. a narrative on Goff that he can't play in cold weather. He's only played twice in that below freezing weather and has played very poorly both times. But again, like that's why this line is what it is. This Rams team is is elite defensively, and as long as Aaron Donald is, is healthy, I see them, you know, giving Green Bay a little bit of trouble because they're going to be able to put Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, and these secondary offensive players are going to have to do something. Okay, next game. I'm going to take Baltimore plus the two and a half against Buffalo. Um, this line opened at Buffalo minus two and a half, got bet down to Buffalo minus one. So there was a lot of action on Baltimore. It's back up to two and a half and is actually trending towards three. I don't know if you guys have it listed at three, but right now it's Baltimore plus two and a half plus money, which means that it looks like it's going to move to a solid mm-hmm. uh, Buffalo minus three. So I like Baltimore plus, uh, plus the money here. Um, it's, you know, it's B- Buffalo has played incredible this year. Um, but again, this is one of those situations where, you know, is Baltimore more consistent now and closer to the team that they were last year? If that's the case, then certainly getting plus two and a half plus three here is value. Okay. What else? I'm going to take Cleveland plus the 10 and a half against Kansas city. It's just too many points. Um, obviously Cleveland, played a great game and got a lot of gifts last week. Um, you know, they, they had a good scheme, even without Stefanski on the sideline. Um, there's a lot of talk, you know, that Cleveland is a team that no one can figure out exactly what they're going to do. And um, it's because they're somewhat unpredictable. But, you know, the, the other narrative is that Kansas City has like two playbooks, one for the important games and one for the unimportant games. They're going to use the playbook for the important games, i.e. the good plays in this game. Uh, yeah. But I still like Cleveland plus the ten and a half. I just I just think it's too many points for a Kansas City team that hasn't covered in like eight games. The only pushback I would give is that it seems to me possible if Kansas City gets out fourteen nothing or twenty one seven or something like that, that Cleveland says to itself, "It's just great that we got here. We beat Pittsburgh two in a row. We're okay. We've achieved. This game doesn't mean much." I mean, that's the only pushback I give on that. What do you think? I mean, these are professional football players that want to win. Right. Like, what? I mean, it's it's hard for me to believe that they're just going to give up at this point. You know, you got guys like Miles Garrett and, and Baker Mayfield certainly is is not going to give up and not be happy with where they are. And Kansas City has shown a propensity um, to give up these leads and to give up these backdoor yes. covers. As yep. I said, like they, yep. they haven't covered in eight games. That's that's a pretty big stat. Um, and again, getting, you know, giving double digit points in a playoff game to a Cleveland team that, that has talent. Um, it just seems like too many points. All right. And the last game, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, the one that will get the highest rating of all who you got. Yeah, we're going to take New Orleans minus the three here. Um, Tampa's interesting since the buy, they've, they've played very differently offensively and defensively. Also, they've, they've gotten Antonio Brown back. He's probably yeah. going to be the key in this game against New Orleans because um, in the first two meetings, the problem that Brady's had is they've been able to get pressure on him and he hasn't had any kind of a release valve. He finally has that in Antonio Brown. So we'll see if he's the difference. But I just think the line is short given um, these these two teams' performances all year. And New Orleans has gotten sort of a bunch of their toys back 
with Michael Thomas, et cetera. So um, I, I think this can be an amazing game. Um, and at three, I, I, I like New Orleans. Anything, are you concerned with the notion of uh, beating a team three times in the same year that that gets progressively harder? Dean Smith always talked about that in college basketball. I don't, I don't know that there's any you know, evidence that that's true. Do you concern yourself with that? No, I mean, not, not really. It's, it's one of those facts that, like, one, the sample size is usually pretty small. And so people paint whatever narrative they want on it. One, you can right. say, Dean, like Dean Smith, that it's hard to beat. But also, you beat a team twice. Doesn't that mean you match up pretty well with them? So, you know, the, the other way to look at this is New Orleans matches up pretty well with Tampa Bay, which, which is true. And, and then the flip of it is it's hard to beat a team three times. So it's, it's you know, you can spin it any way you want. Okie dokie. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, Thanks, give our Charlie. best... Give our best to Rufus, and you can read Jeff's stuff and Rufus's stuff on Bet the Process, and you can well, not read it; you can listen to it, but you can read it as well, right? I mean, is is there a, a print part of that, or we, is it just the we, podcast? We have, we, no, we don't have any print yet. We're, we're trying to get oh. away from print, like you are. It's like it's really hard to write stuff. Oh God, it's so much harder than talking. It really is <laughs> yeah. so much harder. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, we will take a break, and we will come back with uh, email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some. Tim Wildsmith, who plays and sings in Nashville, Tennessee. He's yeah, really that'd be good. on my playlist. That's really good. Uh, Nigel, the Bethesda Bagel ad, it's all yours. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. We got the bagel sandwiches, sausage sandwiches today. I all believe. sausage. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. Thank you. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, and then stop on in, and you will be thrilled. All right, that's about it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me do this. I was standing on the corner when I heard my bulldog bark. He was barking at the two men who were gambling in the dark. It was Stagger Lee and Billy, two men who gambled late. Stagger Lee threw seven. Billy swore that he threw eight. Later in that particular song, somebody goes and gets a gun and shoots up the bar. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockin Four of CBS Sports, James Carville and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, along with Rufus Peabody of Bet the Process. Thanks to our sponsors today, Indochino and TurboTax. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Ron Flatter in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, Ron Flatter. Dear 41 Long, it was an uh-oh moment when you said he got a text Sunday night from Norby Williamson. As you know, I worked for years at ESPN. If I received a text from Norby while I was marinating at home on a weekend, the jolt through shooting through me would have pegged an electric cardiogram. My first thought would be many ways I'd violated company policy or stepped over some line that management had drawn in the Bristol snow. What stupid thing had I done to earn myself an audience with some script-reading automaton from human resources? I had a horrible vision you were about to be told PTI was skewing too old or too DC or that your refusal to emerge from the attic was the last straw. Worse yet, you were being ordered to do not one but two extra segments for SportsCenter. <laughs> to hear that Norby was simply giving you a playoff update shot me with a jolt of envy. Seriously? Instead of a carpet call from the boss, you got a score from someone so aware of your technophobia Push that he turned into an app? 
Did the text come from 900-976 Norby? This is truly your world. We are all merely extras. I love that one. <laughs> Brian in Fairfax. Bonjour, old sport. I like my mayo inside my grilled cheese. I like ranch on my pizza crust. Oh. I drove a Subaru for 12 years. Michael is a monster for putting ketchup on eggs. From Brent in Fulton, Maryland. What? Michael took chemistry for non-majors at Penn? Finally, my David Aldridge moment. I took chemistry for non-majors at Penn. And I've said for almost 35 years that the class was garbage. Worst class I ever took. Condescending professor giving multiple choice tests about the pH level of milk. But that's how I learned to drink coffee. Every morning at 7.45, I hit a coffee cart on Spruce Street and maybe 36th. Week one, I could barely choke down half. I left the cup under the lecture room seat because I was 19 and still feral. By the end of the semester, I was draining the large. But that class was still lousy. Hope it improved by Michael's time. Didn't go to Wawa? No, the <laughs> class actually was geology, which I almost failed. Okay, rocks. We used to take rocks all the time at Harper College. From Andy Shaner in Madison, Wisconsin. I have a confession to make. Last weekend, I was with a group of friends, and the discussion turned to Native American mascots and the football team. I told everyone they should have kept the name and just changed the logo to a potato, which got a massive laugh from everyone. The timing was a little awkward, so I couldn't really explain that I stole the joke from an old bald orange man you might have seen on TV most afternoons. You know, Tony Kornheiser from PTI. I used to write columns, but then they were columnettes, and anyway. I ended up passing the joke off as my own, and I felt guilt about stealing it ever since. Thought I should at least confess my sin and let you know it's still a hilariously brilliant idea. Well done, old sport. I wrote that column 30 years ago. It's, you know, the, the look. As I said in that column, and I'm saying now, that nickname had to go. San Diego Todd writes, so many emails wondering about Michael's lost ways surrounding condiments. Do any of them remember his love of Bud Light Lime? From Will Green. <laughs> Dear Ron, silence is no longer an option. On normal days, I listen to the podcast alone, but on a recent road trip, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage decided to listen as well. I had forgotten she and I are on opposing sides of the infamous mayo grilled cheese argument. I think mayo found near a grilled cheese is repugnant. She sides with Michael, almost. Instead of spreading mayo on the outside, like everyone who went to high school with Rufus Peabody does, my wife likes to eat her grilled cheese with mayo slathered on the inside of the sandwich next to the cheese. You know, like a criminal. Um, from Andrew in Innisfil, there's a specialty hot dog restaurant in Toronto called Fancy Frank's. You may want to steady yourself before reading the rest. They have a peanut butter and jam hot dog on their menu. Yep, hot dog with peanut butter and jam on a hot dog bun. When I first went there, no one was around but me and Frank, I presume. So I gave in to my curiosity and ordered one, grilled, not boiled. You see, that first one was pure curiosity. The second one was because the first was so delicious. Tell Michael it's snowing. P.S. My dog is currently a lean 45 pounds with winter weight. From John Rowland in Fort Worth, Texas. I was quite pleased to find you have a personal chef making your ravioli. I also have a chef that makes my ravioli. He's very good. He doesn't put sugar in the sauce. You may have heard of him. His name is Boyardee. From Andrew Bronson. In that one. Andrew Bronson in Aurora, Illinois. Hi, Tony. I was transcribing Monday's show and came across this exchange you had with Chuck Culpepper. Jacksonville's a dump. It's an outpost. But this is no knock on Jacksonville. I'd love to hear what is a knock on Jacksonville. I bet it involves <laughs> Waffle Houses. Happy Tom birthday to Till. everyone ever born except Tony Kornheiser. Yeah, I got that upstairs. Yeah. Tom Till, Orange, Virginia. Dear Professor Kornheiser, Mr. Louis Ramirez, our friend in Toronto, not to be confused with our friend in Miami, immigrated to Canada at the age of five and thus understandably identifies as Canadian. But the far more essential question is, does he also identify as a Midwesterner? If mayonnaise on a grilled cheese is a staple of Wilbon household cuisine, then the question will be settled for all time. Thanks for the mental relief over the last 10 months. From Benjamin Flack in Owatonna or Owatonna, Minnesota. For my job today, as many of us do, I had to sign and date a number of papers. 
As I was doing so, I came to notice today's date of 1-12-2021, and I just thought it looked really nice. It's not a palindrome or anything. I just really enjoyed writing it and looking at the numbers, 1-12-2021. And immediately, I knew this was something I had to share with you. <laughs> From Tim in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Good day, Mr. Tony. I wanted to remind Jean that although there is no I in her name, there is one in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, well, he's a bullfrog. How do I know this? Well, he's a friend of mine. In fact, a good friend of mine. And while I, for the life of me, cannot understand a single word he says, I still enjoy his company. And why? Because that bullfrog has some good wine. In fact, some mighty fine wine. And from Ben in Beverly, Massachusetts, did my ears deceive me? Did I hear Wilbon say, that does surprise me, in response to the news of your perilous expedition into the early morning hours? Just when we thought the ink had dried on your resume, it's time to amend. Mr. Tony, congratulations. In addition to the Hoff and the Waff, let it be known the world round that you've found the Holy Grail. You have slain the great white whale. You have surprised Michael Wilbon. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Look, look at like the Michigan man. Right. Look at the Michigan man. Uh The letter I wrote Couldn't say it Couldn't think of a quote To convey it You were already gone I couldn't take it You were on my mind Uh-huh That boy that you with I don't get it The night that we kissed
times I secretly wish she would say, but I know she will follow me.